welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Quentin. I've got my brother Travis with me as always, and we've got Josh Stewart joining us again today to talk about Panda Bear's album from 2007, Person Pitch. This is one of those albums that we have, it's probably on our definitive episode list that we've had going since we started this thing. It was inevitable we were going to cover this album, and I'm pretty excited to have you on, Josh, because I know this album for you is probably as important as it is for me. One of my favorite albums, probably top 10 for sure, always and forever. So yeah, welcome. Welcome back. Yeah, glad to be here. You know, this is going to be a regular thing. I may have to quit my day job. But um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, this record, I think, for a lot of people, uh, was very formative. Last time I was on, we talked a lot about, you know, the kind of era of like 2007, 2008, 2009. But I think this record and the Animal Collective records around it kind of define that kind of you know, end of that decade, you know, I think, especially in terms of indie music, obviously there's other stuff going on with pop music, but in terms of indie music, I I don't know, this is definitely a touchstone, right? I mean, this, this album, I would put above any Animal Collective album, really. And I feel like it like influenced how they approached their albums from that point on. To give some of those numbers... Uh, you were saying top 10, top 20. Pitchfork put it as number one on their top 50 albums of 2007, which is pretty, I mean, pretty big deal, right? Top, uh, top out of 50. And then they put it as number nine on the top 200 albums of the 2000s, the entire decade. So yeah, now that's just Pitchfork. I mean, Gorilla vs. Bear, where we talked about them last week, put them as number one for the the decade as well. So yeah, this was a, like you said, this was a touchstone record and we hit on this last week that, you know, it was kind of considered a big influencer on the chill wave genre and a bunch of other indie, indie subgenres from the next decade, right? The 2010s. Yeah. I mean, in the vocals, you can hear bands that took the kind of harmonies and the hooks, the loops bands took that. And there was so much. And I think it's like, it really kind of expanded on like, what can one, what's the kind of music one person and their computer and their sampler can do um, as opposed to maybe, I don't know, it was electronic music, you know, like other things like this, like sounds kind of like a band. Yeah, it it is crazy. The way it's looped, you know, and everything. And it has those roots in psychedelic pop and psychedelic rock and, Beach Boys harmonies and all that stuff. And it really like, that's another thing that drew me to it was just like, this was one person just kind of throwing every musical influence that they have like at kind of a record. Well, here's something that I read that, I mean, this kind of stuff I just love, like maybe one of the reasons why it sounds different is because, so he was living in Portugal at the time. Just moved, right? Yeah. He just moved to Portugal and his guitar got held up at customs. But his Roland SP303 sampler 
made it through just fine. <laughs> so he didn't have his guitar, but he had a sampler. So he, he started just kind of messing around on his sampler, creating samples and loops, and just it built on from there. That's really cool. Those are the kind of stories that I love. Yeah, where it's just like circumstances that lead to... I mean, it's like the the butterfly effect, Happy right? accidents <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Necessity, like what do they say? Necessity is the mother of invention, right? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. That's why we have you on here, Josh. You got the you got the quotes, the smart Yeah, you quotes. got the quotes. <laughs> yeah. Learned. I, I'm a dad now. I've got the dad wisdom. I can just dole it out. <laughs> it just happened. All right. So this album actually has... So it's a seven song album five out of the seven are singles and this is no filler usually you know our whole deal is we don't play the singles right that's our whole that's the whole thing but we're playing singles today it's gonna be fun because we have to like well none of these were on the hot 100 so i don't think folks have to worry exactly (laughs) exactly this is one of those albums where they might as well all be non-singles right because yeah as Critically acclaimed as it was, it didn't really get a lot of love in the mainstream, which is understandable. It's it's an it's an odd record, I yeah. Think. And what I mean by that is like the barrier to entry is kind of high. Like you're kind of hearing this drone sound, and then you have to unpack it and get to the gems. Which well, the first time I listened to this, I was like, "This is fine," <laughs> and then the second time, you're like, "Wow, there's some stuff in here," and then the third time, you're like, "I think this guy's a genius." And then the fourth time, you're like, I, I'm not going to listen to anything else for the rest of the yes, year. Yes, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's right. And if you're a fan of Animal Collective, this is pretty tame, right? <laughs> Especially like after hearing Sung Tongs and Feels, like this is way more melodic, which is weird to say when you hear this stuff, but this is tame compared to, to Animal Collective's catalog before this. Yeah, there's no... Like in Animal Collective records, there's some sense of like, I mean, that's why they called some of it like the freak folk. I mean, it was like, there's like an element of punk to it. Like they screamed and, you know, they were like banging on like cymbals really aggressively. And it had like a really kind of punk rock feel. And then this is like sugar coated, you know, harmonies. He's layering his vocals, just like huge reverb. Yeah, and I think it's like the 60s psychedelic pop kind of vibe that it has that really makes it like, it really, it brings you in. Like a lot of Animal Collective songs didn't necessarily do, like you had to work for it if you were going to get into Animal Collective. Like you had to really like sit down and think about it. (laughs) Yeah. Until later, to your point, right? It's like, like kind of after this, they incorporated... And I say they, I mean, Panda Bear obviously was a key songwriter in Elect Animal Collective, right? So he clearly took his success here and his growth here and applied it to Animal Collective, which I think was a, a huge plus for the band, like him doing this and then going back. But we're not going to talk about them, but it's still interesting to think about it in the context. Yeah. Well, I will say here, just for those who don't know, Panda Bear is Noah Lennox, and he is one-fourth of Animal Collective, alongside A.V. Tear, geographer. I don't know his real name. No, geologist. Geologist, my bad. And then Deacon, who is another member of the band. Um, 
so yeah this is his solo stuff he had dropped a few solo records before this one the intro that we that we played was comfy and nautica which was the opening track on the record one of the singles and um yeah let's just let's jump into it and just dive into a song so the first song that we're going to play and i got two clips for this one one of my favorites of his for sure this one is called take pills I have never read the lyrics before to this and I was reading the lyrics and like I'm shook over here dude it says uh surely there's no substitute for company my mom's ripping off her hands one flake at a time oh all her children left the house and left her all alone but like she'd tell me it gets better just wait and you'll see so I'm reading the genius uh, notes here you know genius.com the lyric website and um, uh, somebody says that the song is about his mother and how she would deal with or how his mother dealt with his father dying. The focus seems to have been on prescription medicine. So, yeah, I think this this song is about antidepressants is, is what I'm also reading. Um, but yeah, what I like haunting. And, and I know that's a we say that word a lot, but like this is actually this is truly haunting, you know, the lyrics here and like what he's talking about and the the way that. It's so like soft, his delivery and stuff, you know? And I mean, I think that's like, uh, how do I say this without stepping on like the next part? But I mean, it is like, this is act one, right? And it is a somber kind of movement, right? And I do think like, as we, as you know, we get through it, this will become more evident to folks that are just now listening to this or like really listening to it critically. But 
you know, it, it, it's not like a concept album, but he definitely like threw out the window the idea of what a song is or can be. Cause you know, it's like this song take pills is like two songs. And then like, there's, I think carrots is like three or four songs kind of in one, Yeah, you know, it's, it's really quite remarkable that he takes these basic fundamental things about songs and harmonies and things, but he kind of throws out the idea of what uh, a song is. And I think it really rewards the listener that gets invested. And, uh, you know, if the, I think it's a stream to you read the lyrics, cause I, I'm not sure they're all this serious. I think it really bounces around in terms of levity and, you know, introspection. They're very straightforward. Yes. But like when you hear the way it's delivered, like I said, I've never read the lyrics before. Like it's a very kind of beautiful kind of, like very soft like lyrics and like or or vocals and it seems kind of like you're floating through a cloud or something like that maybe that's the feeling you get on antidepressants i don't know but like it doesn't sound like what the lyrics are about you know what i mean like if you didn't know the lyrics you just heard the song it's a very pretty song you know i mean i think he i think the song matches the emotion right that he's trying to convey which is like a disconnect and like a, like he's kind of watching, you know, and I think floating's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of his songs have that kind of like the disconnected observer. That's just, yeah. You're kind of above it looking at it. Yeah. But also like empathizing and, and sympathizing like deeply. Right. But like, you're not really participating um, at least in this first part. Yeah. All right. So here's clip two of take pills. That he's like trying to to make sure that his mom knows that like it's not bad yeah. that, <laughs> that you're taking that. pills. Well, there, there's a quote here about the song, and he's saying um, the song is about appreciating what antidepressants did for me at the time, but wanting to get off them and to try not to rely on them if I could. And then he goes on to say, and that's not to say that I think nobody should be on them. Like I said, they really helped me out for a while. 
But for me personally, I just wanted to try to get on with it. And it's kind of me talking to my mom about trying to get her off of them too. Wow. Which is such a personal thing to put on a record. Yeah. And it's such a playful little like melody that kind of happens, you know, kind of like, yeah. There's something profound, right, with it. And uh, also just sort of like a childlike simplicity. Yeah. Right. And I'm. I, I'm, I kind of lack the vocabulary for like another choice of words, but dude, like join the club welcome to the podcast, dude. <laughs> it's just a simple, just so simple in how he describes it. And, you know, it's just like that, you know, like I don't want us for, to take pills anymore. Not that it's bad. I don't want us for to take pills because we're stronger and we don't need them. And it's just like, so I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but there's, like there's something like hopefully innocent too because yeah. he's just like this is almost like a like a Disney song you know what I mean well that's and then that's like, why it's I can like, see some Disney characters singing this but it's like such a heavy it's such a heavy topic and then it's surrounded by this kind of like like and then the way that the the harmonies come in like and it's like stronger but and then those like yeah. harmonies like hit it's kind of like it's like two different things are happening at once, which I always think makes for great songwriting where it's like, Oh, the song's about like antidepressants and like loss, but here let's hit you with like a wall of like, just like sugary harmonies, you know, it's, yeah, you know, it's not like, I don't know. It's, it's something unique about him and the way he, the way he execute his, his art. It's clear that animal collective and all those guys were unique, but like, you like dig into a song like this and it's like really this guy is very unique and not only how he looks at the world but how he's like again what's the idea of a song oh a song can be anything you know here you go you know and that transition you were playing is like very it's almost bad i love the transition it's like because it's just like (laughs) he's basically just like slow fading in to another song but they fit together perfectly but it works yes and it works yeah Yeah. i think i think it works it does sound like it's not right and that's what i mean there's like a high barrier to entry like you play that for someone then you're like what's wrong with this song like what's wrong with it (laughs) let me listen to it again yeah i feel lightway about so many animal collective songs like (laughs) most people are like what is that's what is happening? Exactly what I said on the episode. <laughs> yeah, we we did cover sung tongs a few years back, and Travis was like, "What? Why?" I had never heard the 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 record before. My first question is why, and my second <laughs> question is what did I just hear? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's, I guess that's it, right? I mean, yeah. and if I were to go back and listen to it again and again, I'd probably be like, "Oh, I see." Now I get it. Yeah, Sung Tongues took me a while. Yeah, the first time I heard it, I was like, "This is bad." That's my favorite one. That's my favorite album of theirs. Anyway, so yeah, let me just quote something uh, this from this interview that he did with Tiny Mixtapes. I don't know the date, but it was around the time this came wow. out. Wow, is Tiny Mixtapes still around? I used to read them all the time. I mean, it's still a valid URL, unlike uh, New Dust. <laughs> so. they, they got that going for them. They were asking about the lyrics and how they're like so direct and like to the point. He says, the words I write always tend to be very straightforward. And I don't get much into metaphor or poetry. I can't help but talk about things that I'm thinking about or problems that I'm having. Typically, all the stuff I write concerns my relationships with various people, usually my closest friends and family. So yeah, and you know what? I mean, we're going to cover this album next, but one of my favorite songs on Meriwether Post Pavilion, the Animal Collective album that came out right after this, is Girls. Or uh, my girls. I was gonna say all of his songs 
are, are very very personal yeah it's about his his literally like his kid you know yeah and his daily routine which is the name of the song <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's jump into the next pick. We're going to play... This one's a three-parter because it's it's 12 minutes long. Well, it's nearly 13 minutes. That makes this a progressive album, does it not? <laughs> you know, isn't that the this template This one's a prog a, rocker. A prog rock song. Yeah. And he didn't list Yes on his, his influences. <laughs> Can's on there, though. Even better than Yes, in my opinion. All right, this is track three off the album. This song is called Bros. such a blast to listen to that it's just so fun man like that's a song you can just you can just scream at the top of your lungs <laughs> with him you know just sing along yeah it's just so such a fun song man yeah and again the, the lyrics are very simple um like he said like he's not there's no metaphors in his lyrics and stuff like that you know yeah i mean it's literally about like needing like a time out from like needing <laughs> some know? space yeah you know? <laughs> I never really thought about until I'm reading them, like how much like he just repeats like, and like, I love the little vocal trick 
Like, and you may, you may, you may, you may, you may, you might, you may find that we're all right. Like, it just never dawned on me just like how like simple of a trick that is, but it's very like clever and it gives it that, again, that playful. Yeah. I was going to talk about that. Like that's, that's kind of a staple of Animal Collective too, right? Like they're like really good at- Repetition. Yeah. And like the way that they just craft words together and like the way they, 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 uh, the cadence and stuff. And like, it's, it's all very much like they're- I think we talked about this on Sung Tongues. Like they're they use their vocals as like percussive and like instrument instruments and stuff like that, right? You know, like the way that they kind of do stuff. It's very tribal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Painter Bear builds. It's like he f- creates a foundation. He builds the sample, and then he builds this kind of like sort of symphony out of these various samples. And the vocals are just another part of that. They're not like yeah. They're not like trying to cut through. They're not trying to like. They're like a part of it. And also, maybe this was intentional, but it's like in the mix, it's not that hot. Like it's not that high, right? You know, it's like you do have to like carefully listen and it's like drenched in reverb. And like sometimes it's the same like volume as a guitar or a sample or whatever else. And it's unique. I don't know who else did music like that, you know, or or repeated it. Yeah, Animal Collective has always... I mean, their music is just so, like, hypnotic. Yeah. I mean, and we're talking about Animal Collective because Panda Bear is a huge part of them. Yeah. It puts you in a trance almost. Yeah. I'm going to quote Drowned in Sound here. I love this. They say, these psychedelic hymns and schizophrenic nursery rhymes sound unreal, otherworldly, yet it sounds so human, so real, and in touch. I mean, that's it, man. To to call it a... um. Uh, you say a nursery rhyme schizophrenic nursery rhymes. yeah like that we were trying to talk about like i said it sounded like a disney song or whatever Arch, yeah i use the word i used the word like kind of childlike hope you know and that's that the nursery rhyme is it it is it is like yeah and that's like take pills has that too where it is like this sad thing and then he's like ending with this hope he's like but we're stronger we don't need them exactly yeah honestly it's like most kind of musicians like this are cynical or like they they have like whatever baggage they're dealing with which often drives their music and makes them like interesting you know but this just kind of like i guess he's it's just such a his unique personality comes through and it's almost like you know if maybe if he never formed animal collective you know or or whatever would would any kind of music like this have come out because like these kinds of personalities often don't make music right like it's very he's clearly yeah. a very sensitive very like introspective yeah like introspective guy and i don't know maybe maybe i just listen to the wrong kinds of music and i don't read enough poetry <laughs> but like this is unique well maybe and maybe it's unique because like you know so many musicians write using metaphors and stuff like that you know they don't just come right out with it are they right about love in the superficial way not the like the real the real shit everyone <laughs> loves the like I like the girl, the girl likes me kind of songs. Like those are awesome, <laughs> yeah. right? But like this is like real, like much more real stuff. Let's take a quick break. So um, the little, I know we got how many more, two more clips? We got two more okay. clips. Man. Uh, I was just going to say the main guitar riff that you hear is actually a, a sample of a tornado's song called Red Roses in a Sky of Blue. And then he also, later on in the song, 
He samples Cat Stevens and the Equals. So that long list of like influences on the Wikipedia page, some of them are just the people that he sampled on this record. But obviously, there ain't no Metallica song on this record. I'll tell you that right now. So this <laughs> is obviously influences and people he sampled. But anyway. You could do a whole podcast on what he samples, I'm sure. Totally. This is a and this is a really great list. Of, it's a massive list of, of yeah. bands. Well, and he makes he makes it his own. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not like um, he might as well be making this out of found sounds, you know, or something, or like like you know some kind of Library of Congress archive, you know, because he's just taking these like obscure things or like uneventful chords, um, yeah, and just making something interesting, almost like a collage artist. Yeah, collage. I saw that word pop up quite a bit. Just like his album art, my friends, we did it. Mm. We're going to jump ahead a couple minutes. Here is clip two from Bros. those like found sounds you're talking about josh you can hear like all kinds of sounds stuff. like people on a roller coaster yeah all kinds of stuff i love that man yeah and the term collage 
collage uh, shows up all over the place with reviews and and so yeah that's the right that is the right word to use here um yeah so pitchfork in 2019 described the album as a collagist classic of sidelong beach boys isms and <laughs> kitchen sink sonics classic pitchfork right that sits firmly in sample delic canon i was about to bring that up sample delia sample, that's a thing yeah sample delia sample based music which uses samplers or similar technology to expand upon the recording methods of 1960s psychedelia. Yeah, well, this is it right here. I think what really, like, if I'm remembering, like, you listen to this album or you're trying to convince someone to listen to it, and it's just like, it's, you're trying to explain it, and it's like, it's not like anything you've ever heard. He samples stuff, and people are like, like, like hip hop, and you're like, no, nothing like that. But like, also, like, <laughs> the opposite of that. Yeah, but it's like, it was just really hard to <laughs> explain to people, and like, I just can't, maybe this is how narrow my like music, like, intake was at the time, and how much Animal Collective and Panda Bear broadened those horizons but like i had really like didn't know it was possible to make music like this and like using these kinds of technology i didn't even know you could make this kinds of music like they didn't even like dawn like on me i knew there was like found sound bands i knew there was like ambient i knew there was like lo-fi groups but like doing it all in one like from a sampler just really like and that gets to his story it's like how he did it he did it living in portugal it was just like also like so fascinating like i can't imagine sitting there over a sampler hours and hours and hours just like pouring over this stuff and then like be like all right now i'm gonna record like six layers of my vocals to this like what's the one line i know i'm being way too hard but i know that i'm trying it's just like we've all felt like that before Mm -hmm. and then when he like hits those high notes that's when it kind of like brings you back to like pop it's like oh this is just a pop song yeah like at the end of the day you know hits me in the feels man i just just something special about this album dude what would you what would you say to like somebody like how would you recommend this album to people like i feel like you need to know some a little bit about the person's music interests like on a scale of one to ten how adventurous they are right like if they're a if they're a seven or an eight it's like all right why don't you check this out you know because it is like it takes a lot to get into this record. I'm even listening to it now and I'm just like, this is so weird. And I love every second of it. Yeah. You know, and we're not playing the weird, the weird ones tonight. I mean, it gets weirder, you know, it gets way weirder. Yeah. On this record. Uh, yeah. And not animal collective weird, but <laughs> it gets not, weirder. What's the song? You can, <laughs> you can kill a rabbit. What's that song on Sung Tongues? Yeah. I think yeah. we played that one too. You I can love that song. Rabbit. Yeah, but that song's insane. <laughs> Their little, um, I guess this is the kitchen sink Sonics that Pitchfork was talking about, but like the little sample of like the man crying or whatever, the sobbing in the beginning of the second clip he played like that. That's weird, you know, <laughs> that works. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, it's like so over the top, you know? It's just, yeah, it's just a, there's so much stuff, you know, that he's just hitting you with a bunch of stuff, you know? And, all, and you're like, what am I, what am I hearing? It's like funny, but then you read the lyrics and it's like, well, he's clearly like illustrating some kind of like frustration with being too hard on himself and not having enough space. Yeah. 
Um, and he's saying like, grow up, grow up, you know? Yeah. Can't you just grow up? Like that's one of the lyrics that he repeats over. So it's like, there's a, a overgrown, like a adult man crying in the background of the song, you know, and he's telling himself to grow up. Which is funny. Cause I think, I think he just had a kid. So there may be some like, what's, what's happening in my life, yeah. which, you know, as a new dad, I do like space growing up. There's a lot of those, <laughs> there's, a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of those feelings. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't have that when I was in my 20s and I was listening to this because I think he's, again, he's illustrating very something very simple that everyone feels. Speaking of growing up, I didn't know when I was going to quote this from him, but this is a good time to do it. Ponytail is the last song on the album. We're going to outro out the episode of Ponytail. But I like what he says here. He says, Ponytail sounds like a Care Bears song to me. <laughs> and I was embarrassed to put it on there. But then I thought that it would be sweet to put out a song that made me feel so naked and so square and uncool, especially since the first song is about not wanting to be cool, at least not in the traditional sense. So yeah, Care Bear song, nursery rhyme, grow up. <laughs> it's very vulnerable and like... Yeah, admitting that or like that little tidbit kind of sums it up better than what I was trying to say earlier. I mean, the, the childlike wonder he has and how he brought that to his music. And and he almost didn't even put it on the record. And no one knows what we're talking about because we haven't played that song yet. But it goes, you know, along with, with most of the songs on this record, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's play the outro of Bros. So... Uh, This episode is called Bros, and (laughs) here's clip three. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh,
that's just this classic sample delia you know what i'm saying you don't have to have metaphorical fireworks when you just sample fireworks at the end of your song going off. Right. I honestly need to know how to feel. I don't think I've ever noticed the fireworks at the end before, but it's like, it's like interesting when you're listening to this and you're trying to be like objective. Mm-hmm. So normally I listen to it and I'm just like kind of grooving. Right. Or I'm like making up my own silly words to the lyrics or to the, to the <laughs> song, you know, or whatever. And um, yeah, I've heard it. You've, when you've heard it so many times, you know, you can kind of miss some things. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the layers of like different stuff he's got going on that could have taken a wrong turn at any point, but, <laughs> you know, it was probably a little, probably a little bit of luck and a lot of trying stuff out. I mean, there could be a lot of people that are saying right now, like it took a lot of wrong turns. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, yeah, like this the- is, this is where he, he reveals it. Like, yeah, I'm an animal collective. Like here's just right. This, you in know case I mean? you forgot, yeah. in case you I'm an animal didn't collective. realize it, I'm I'm part of Animal Collective. But like Freak Folk is still there. Yeah. The delay, oh. the no, uh, like that stuff yeah. is yeah. like it's That's like, dis- like mm-hmm. disorienting, but like it's jarring. He doesn't take it too far because it kind the song it's still going. And that's probably when A.V. Tear would have been like, let's just keep doing that for a little bit longer and really fuck with people. Let's make that a song. If, <laughs> yeah. like, there, there, it's not a coincidence that he had an actual baby crying in the end because he had a grown man sobbing and then he had a baby crying. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like there's no – he says what he means. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he wanted to end on fireworks, so he just threw in some fireworks, you know. So speaking of like samples, I just read this, just popped out of me. Uh, he says Linux estimates that it's like ninety six percent samples, ten percent of which I actually played. That's crazy to me. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's ninety six percent samples. I think I knew that, or if you've ever seen any iteration of Panda Bear or Anim Collective Live, besides the drums, there really isn't a ton. Yeah of instruments it's mostly samplers some synth and keyboard and then they do like add percussion to it to give it some oomph live but here's something interesting about that that i just found out recently and the first time i saw animal collective i was house of blues house of blues part of the sound of merriweather and how it sounds kind of different from strawberry jams and everything before that was deacon took a step back from the band deacon wasn't there and he's a guitar player in the band merriweather was heavily sampled as well and they took influence from what noah did on this album i'm wondering how much of their older stuff is just as heavily sampled because deacon contributed with his guitar playing and again he wasn't there for merriweather so anyways i'm just like i didn't see them early on you know like i wonder how much more of it was I mean, I'm sure they used loops, like loop pedals and stuff, but I wonder how much of it was actual live recordings. Their sound changed, you know? So, like, both because he left and both, like, it was changing already, right? Right. Like, like Sung Tongs to, to Feels to Strawberry Jam. Yeah, those three albums are so different. And then, and then he did this, and then Meriwether's a combination of this and the natural evolution from Strawberry Jam. Because Strawberry Jam has some of the those those kinds of sounds that you get. It does. I love Strawberry James. I just revisited that album for the first time in, in a long time and it holds up. I mean, also too, I forget like they were getting bigger and like they're all from kind of the 
Baltimore, Maryland area. And like Meriwether is like the venue, right? Meriwether Post Pavilion. And from what I recall reading at the time is like the record, they wanted a record to kind of like fit into that bigger sound, right? And it's like so interesting that like we're listening to person pitch and it feels so small. And like they kind of took like these ideas and like had a sample and like the hooks and like they really blew it up on that that record. It's really interesting how like it goes from this like little bedroom pop thing to this like enormous album. Yeah. But those moments are on here too. There's those like high harmonies, those moments where you like can sing the lyrics along, but they're not prominent and you have to wait eight minutes into bros or whatever you know um (laughs) to get it which is as a fan as like a like a music nerd i love that i love it when artists make you like work we talk about that a lot i like the build-up it's all about the build-up all right so we got one more song here this is track four on the album this one's called i'm not like the whole song you know talk about repetition that's it man it's so hypnotic right that one's like a hymn not a hymn what's the word it's it, it kind of sounds like a, it's like a it's like a ch- like a chant like a not gregarian chant but like yes a, like a monastic kind of like you know like this is another one i don't think i've ever really listened to critically i love this song so this is interesting because i i wanted to find out what if that was him in the beginning the 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 monastic chant thing that we're hearing 
It's this group called the Gothic Voices, just so we can hear this, because this is just, I always love doing this. Um, yeah, so the sample that we're hearing, here, here it is. I mean, it's actually just that beginning part just sampled, but like this kind of stuff always blows my mind. It's like, yeah, me too. That means he has this in his record collection and he was like, oh yeah, I can use that. (laughs) And it's like two minutes and 39 seconds into this song. It's just like, awesome. I love that stuff. Yeah. But yeah. um, That's cool. I I would have assumed that it was him because, you know, he can do all this kind of stuff with his voice too. Like I could totally see him just dubbing over himself and kind of making that sound. But no, he sampled it from this record that came out in 1983. Yeah. Quite the deep cut. Yeah. No kidding. Anyway. Uh, this was the first single, apparently, off the record, and the B-side was Confianatica. So this song is about fatherhood. So Josh, as a new father, does this does this song mean something to you now that it didn't mean when you first heard it? Because it said, I'm not ready for it, but, you know, could I ever be? That's what every father thinks, right? This just goes back to, like, he's such a simple lyricist. But I got to say, though, this song... Some of the other songs like Take Pills, like you're sort of like the lyrics are kind of hitting you and you're like, oh, you know, but this song, I have never thought about the lyric once. Me neither. Like those kind of chants hit you and then it's kind of like more chanting and then the song's over. And this is the first time I've ever really thought about the lyrics, but it's almost comforting to know that it's like consistent. It's like going back to like, you know, he's trying to figure out if it's going to be okay. Like he's in a, is he going to be a good dad? Like there's a very basic like kind of like feelings but like that is not the first step forward in this song the first step forward is like you're in the sonic whirlwind and it's like am i in a medieval castle that's getting like acid washed <laughs> you know what's happening yeah you know it's it's truly <laughs> you know it's a song that's like not it's more than his others this one's like the disconnect between what the song is conveying and then the sounds you're hearing it's one of my favorites on the record. Really? I just love it, man. I don't want to say it's filler. No, but like it, this is like <laughs> one that was always in the background for me. So I think it's interesting. It's your favorite. I, I think the chanting makes it interesting. That's what I like about it. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there is no, there can't be a favorite on person pitch, you know? Yeah. It's to me, it's a record, right? Like, yeah, exactly. The songs. I did think about like which songs were what names before we recorded today, because like to me, I think of it as like, it's the whole record. It does start with comfy and nautica, but like that's more just getting your attention with the, the beat. The like, that's like kind of like the, the marching beat, but really it's like, it's an album like many, many, many other great albums. This is something that it's like, Oh, you got to li- listen to it front to back. Yep. That's what we preach on this podcast. Well, that's it, Josh. If you need to bounce, we can let you go, sir. All right. And we can wrap this up. What are you going to play the for the outro? Are you going to do Care Bears? Outro's Ponytail. Uh, yep, outro's the Care Bear song. I, th- I threw Ponytail onto one of like the early uh, New Dust mixtapes. Me too, Trav. What? We both have that song on one of our mixtapes. Whoops. Twins. Well, anyway, I transitioned from it into a man-man song. Which is funny because we're going to do Man Man in a couple weeks. After Animal Collective. Yeah. Anyway. All right, guys. Uh, It's been real. It has been real. Thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure.
All right, so Josh had to leave. He's got dad stuff to do, you know, stuff like that. But um, yeah, man, what a record, dude. It's been years since I've listened to some of these songs and, and like it just puts a smile on my face, you know? Yeah. This music just like warms your soul. And like, you know, I, I didn't actually get get a chance to read this quote when Josh was on, but um, it sounds like he was very much influenced by his surroundings in Portugal. In Portugal. Yes. He says, the quality of light in Lisbon, this is a, an interview he did with this um, website called BelieverMag.com. He says, the quality of light in Lisbon in the evening time when I hear music is a deep orange light. There's that sense in the music because of sunlight. And that's, it does feel like a warm kind of sun-kissed record. You know what I mean? Yeah, I didn't save the quote, but you know, I read a few articles preparing for this. They said some along the lines of like, you know, this album, it's, it's like being outside in the sun your eyes are closed and you can feel the warmth of the sun, just that warm glow. That's person pitch, dude. Yeah. And here's another quote to wrap that up with a nice bow on top. He says, while writing these songs, air was flowing through my studio. The windows would often be rattling with wind and the sunlight in the evening would flood into the room. I feel that when I listen to the music. Awesome. There you go. Yeah, dude. That's from, that's from Panda Bear himself. We wanted to cover this album first um, before we do Meriwether Post Pavilion, which is an Animal Collective album that came out right after this one. Um, and this is what we talked about earlier in the episode. Because Deacon, one of the members of Animal Collective, stepped out of the band briefly, they lost a guitar player. And so Meriwether is very, it's a very heavily sampled album. And they kind of used Person Pitch as a blueprint for kind of what he learned for Meriwether. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what we're going to cover next week is Animal Collective's Meriwether Post Pavilion. I, dude, I can't wait. I can't wait. Another huge album from that era. Yeah, really. Also, dude, what have you been sipping on tonight? Q, I'm glad you asked me about that. <laughs> yeah. So, today, Q, I'm actually drinking Chai Love. Chai Love. By Tiesta Tea. That's the name of, that's the name of their, chai, their chai flavor. It's called Chai Love. Dude, I thought you were a coffee guy. I'm a huge coffee guy, but I love a good tea in the fall. And chai is like the perfect like fall, you know, aroma and stuff like that. And that's what I love about this this Tiesta tea. Like it's the it's the loose leaf kind, you know what I mean? There's just something about the experience of like loose leaf tea, you know? Like you Oh yeah, dude. You can see all the ingredients, like it's very aromatic and stuff like that. It's just great, man. You're not just plopping a tea bag into your cup dude it's exactly let me tell you something as a coffee lover there is such thing as like you know instant coffee you know or like the little tea bag coffee have you ever tried any of those yes i have and they're all terrible disgusting instant coffee is the worst but like you know when you start with like the actual bean you know and you grind it up and you go through the whole ritual that's the way you do it right oh yeah i feel like you know if you're gonna drink tea do it with like some loose leaf tea because you're actually seeing the, like with this with this chai love like you're seeing the the ginger and the cardamom yeah and the cloves and stuff that you're about to drink and you get the whole experience it's great delightful so we are actually partnering with Tiesta Tea a, a brand that I'm like that I'm jazzed about because I've actually purchased this brand before like you know what I mean so like I I know for a fact that it's that it's high quality stuff so they sent us this thing that you can actually buy yourself called the sampler dry flight 
comes with these little sample packs of 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 eight of their of their flavors, right? The top sellers, basically. So yeah, if you go to tsat.com, use promo code nofiller15, you'll get 15% off. Try that sampler pack if you want. Like I can vouch for it. And um, yeah, dude, I can tell you right now, this this chai is is really good. I can't wait to try the other flavors. So yeah, again, that's Tiesta like Fiesta, but with a T. Tiesta tea, a bold tea for a bold you. All right, man, that's it. So next week, we're going to be coming at you with Animal Collective's Merryweather Post Pavilion. And um, Trev, where can you find us? We would love for you to follow us on Instagram. So uh, yeah, just search search our name, No Filler Podcast. Uh, you know, you'll see weekly posts at the very least. Sometimes, uh, you know, we try to do, do it as often as we can. But, you know, you can at least get updates through Instagram for when, when an episode goes up with a little write-up on it. Nice little image. But, you know, we're trying to use Instagram to, to you know, share share more things than just the, you know, hey, the new episode's up, right? So follow us there. You can reach out to us on Instagram too. Send us a message. We've actually connected with a few listeners that way. Um, and that's always awesome. That's what we that's what we love. So, yeah, Instagram. And we're also uh, proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network family. That's pantheonpodcast.com. That is the podcast network that is all music podcasts all the time. So if you'd like no filler, guaranteed you'll find a few more shows under the Pantheon Podcast umbrella that you will also love. So again, go to pantheonpodcast.com. And uh, yeah, that's it. Like you said, Q, we're going to talk about Meriwether Post Pavilion by Animal Collective next week. I can't wait. It's, you know, since the moment that we said, hey, let's do a podcast about music, like this record was bound to happen. I'm surprised it took us this long, honestly, to get around to it. Same, dude. Same. But you know what? I'm glad that Person Pitch took as long as it did because that gave us a chance to have Josh on to chat about it with us. Yep. Thank you, Josh, for joining us tonight. It was awesome to have you on. Yeah, we'll try to get we'll try to get Josh on uh, anytime he wants to be on. We'll 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 get him on because he's he's awesome. He's one of the OG New Dust boys, you know. Yeah. If you don't care about that, like most of you, (laughs) (laughs) he's just he's just a great guy. Yeah, um, fun to talk with, and uh, we, you know, we, we basically, uh, as you can tell by by listening to our conversations, we 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 very much grew up on the same music. So it's just another, uh, you know, he just he fits in so perfectly with with uh, everything that that no filler is all about. So anyway, all right, we're closing out with uh, Ponytail, which is another one of my favorites off of Person Pitch. This is the song that closes out the record. It's the last track on the album. And yeah, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you, as always, for listening. My name's Quentin. My name is Travis. Y'all take care.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 